Thanks for tuning in. You are now listening to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Ken Cairns, a weekly sports card podcast with lessons he's learned in the hobby and life lessons he's learned along the way. So sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded is the cards. You are now on with Ken. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Cairns. I'm a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week I've learned in the hobby. You can find me on Instagram at sportscard underscore lessons and on YouTube on the Sports Card Lessons YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, and leave some feedback. Welcome, everyone. How is everyone doing? I'm super excited for today's episode. Today's guest has been creating hobby content for the last three years. He's the co-host of Off Centered, and he drops daily YouTube content. You know him as Sports Card Dad. Welcome, Dustin. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Ken. I'm excited to be here. I've been watching you for, for months. Actually, I found you through Rob, Sports Card Therapist. I've been watching him probably for a little over a year now, I would guess, maybe 18 months. And then I saw you guys were doing some things together, and that's how I found you. So I'm, gl I'm glad I definitely did. Yeah, yeah. Rob's a good friend. Um, and actually, probably 100% of the reason that I'm sitting here on this side of the mic with, uh, with you know, with a podcast and stuff. Yeah, he uh, he started it and I watched him do it and he's just so good at it. And I'm like, man, you just make it look so easy. I said, I got to get some stuff and do this. And I realized it wasn't as easy as I thought, but I've worked it out along the way. But yeah, definitely a good dude. So yeah. Um, Welcome. I'm super excited you're here. I listen to all your stuff. Um, I love to pick up your uh, your daily seven to ten minute, usually reviews on other things. And, uh, you know, the interesting part about that is there is so much content, so much content out there. Yeah. And when I discovered you and I started following you every morning when I'm doing something, something pops up and says, Hey, sports car dad is reviewing <laughs> this big topic. So I get the seven to 10 minute version of it all broken down that, that you give versus having to go out and listen to the 45 minute one. So, so I, I definitely appreciate that. Definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's kind of my um, my creative outlet. I think everyone tries to find, you know, you kind of have your your daily life that you do, whether that be family work, whatever it is. And for me, I think I was, you know, especially kind of as I was coming up to age 40, I was always thinking of like, man, I, I just there there's I need some sort of an outlet because I have you know four kids, wife, you know, there's a lot going on. And so that was a big part of kind of a motivator, um, you know, behind what I do. And I try to add goofy, you know, humor to it and some different elements. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of and honestly, that those little pieces are just as fun for me to do than the actual topic that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah, it's it's fun. Do you, ever, do you ever think when you're creating the content that, you know, it's permanently going out there online, right? So I don't know how old your kids are. My kids are all grown up. Um, and I have grandkids, so I know, you know, during the day, you know, when the kids are maybe getting a little out of control, you know, my daughter's in North Carolina, they'll put on the TV, pull up YouTube and throw Poppy and all of a sudden the kids stop and they're just amazed. Right. And, and I think to myself, you know, when these 
when these kids are my age, that content will still be there. Like they'll still yeah. be able to go back and I'll probably be long gone, but they'll still be able to go back and say, oh yeah, there was my grandfather or there was my dad or whatever to look at that. And I, I just find that amazing. Just the thought process of that. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know how old your kids are, but have you, have you thought of that too? Almost like a, like a diary of you at 40 where your yep. kids who may not remember you at 40 would. Absolutely. Yeah. My kids are 19, 17, 10 and seven and or yeah, about to turn eight this weekend, my youngest. But yeah, I mean, you know, there is a so what's, what's funny is I've talked about that before and people kind of take it the wrong way. I kind of look at it as like legacy. You know, this is kind of a legacy project, but it's not legacy in that I'm trying to be a YouTube superstar celebrity. That's not what it is. It's legacy in that. One day, hopefully, God forbid, you know, or, or, you know, God allows it to be I'm an 80, 90 year old man. And maybe I can't even I don't even know who anybody is. And maybe it's, you know, but they can look back, you know, just like where, you know, what would be an example? I don't know, like Jay Leno or somebody or someone that was able to be on TV, you know, any sort of movie star or, you know, show star. We're, we're not we're not, you know, Brad Pitt or anything out here, but it's, it's a sort of the same thing though, to where they're, you know, what they do on, on camera or whatever, it's out there forever. You know, someone will be able to find it, their family members or whatever. And so YouTube is kind of a nice way for everybody to be the news anchor. You know, everybody gets to be the movie star and yep. you choose how you're going to do it. You choose how you're going to present it. You choose how you're going to put it together. And yeah, it's great. Your family. And, and like you said, you know, family down the line, family that you don't even know yet. Great yeah, grandkids yeah. that aren't even born yet. Well, yeah. one day stumble across and be like, wow, grand granddad was hilarious or whatever. Or, or they'll think he was stupid, you know, or whatever, you know, it does. But either way, you're right. There is kind yeah. of a, you know, what are we doing on this planet? And maybe and this is kind of a, a documenting a piece of your life that can be fun. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I like, honestly, if I had the ability, I never I never knew any of my grandparents. Well, actually, my grandmother I knew. But all the rest, I never knew them. But if I had the ability any time in my life to be able to go back and see them, I would I would have certainly taken advantage of that and gone back just to see what they were like, what they sounded like, what their personality seemed like, anything like that. So, yeah, I definitely think this is cool. Yeah. As we're absolutely. here to talk about the hobby and we're talking about cards. Um, so, you know, give me, a, you know, a little background, a little backstory of you in the hobby uh, how long have you been in the hobby? You know, what's your lane in the hobby? Yep. So I'm a junk wax era kid. I, I was born in 81. So 87 is really when I kind of started, but I would say 88, 89, uh, with 88 Donruss baseball and 89 pro set football. Those were really the, the packs I was buying at stores and that went all the way. So I would say about 93, 94. And then I was getting into my teens and I got out of cards and like most people, I came back in um, in 2018 is when I came back in and it was graded comic books and cards as well. And, and the whole grading thing, I didn't get it. I didn't understand, you know, because when I was obviously collecting cards, there was no graded cards or very, very few of them going. I mean, they started out in 1990, 91 PSA and SGC and these companies. And in the 90s, it wasn't a thing. You know, it wasn't. I mean, I don't remember seeing graded cards or very rarely at card shops anyway. It wasn't some mainstay like it is today. And, um, you know, so that was the first kind of what is this was all these graded cards that were on eBay and just trying to understand it. Um, and the same thing with graded comic books. So 
I, and, and I collect a variety of different collectibles too. So it's sports cards, it's comics. I've got graded video games. I've got graded starting lineups. Um, you know, I've got masters of the universe action figures that are still in the box from 1984, you know, so it's all the eighties, nineties, nostalgia stuff is really what I collect. Cards would be the most of that stuff. Um, but it's, it's a variety of different things that I'm collecting. So I got back in 2018. I wouldn't say I got in head first. I was dabbling. I bought, you know, certain cards I, I didn't have as kid, you know, as a kid, I bought a uh, complete set of 89 score football and 1990 Marvel universe and kind of those those sets that you know you always wanted to kind of have the complete set of. So I got in kind of slowly. And then fall of 2019, I think like a lot of folks, you know, I, I went a little bit more heavy on Patrick Mahomes and Luca, Luca Doncic coming up. I thought they were exciting. Not, not such a not, you know, two great guys. If you're gonna go in on anybody, those are yeah. two great guys to go in on. But I also went on in on Ryan Finley and you know uh, Mason Rudolph and some of these other guys. So yeah. Yeah, I wish I had dumped every last dollar into Mahomes and Luca, but I did do well on those. But you know, I it was kind of that thing you you know buy a basket of players, and they're th- those two did really great, and there was ten or fifteen where it was like, yeah, you know, okay. Um, but it was just a fun, you know, it was a fun thing getting back into cards, and then of course you ha- you kind of had the the mania of two thousand. You know, I would say you know people talk about twenty twenty, but it was really the fall of nineteen where it heated up big time when Mahomes and Luca and Lamar Jackson. People don't realize too, Lamar Jackson, his stuff went bananas in the in the fall of two thousand nineteen, and then we kind of entered into twenty, and then it got really crazy, and that's when a lot more people entered in, and so that was obviously kind of a fun time where you know where everyone's flipping and and it's it's you know everyone's everything's going, and then now we're we're where we are. Um, but I, all, all the way through, honestly, I think it's been fun. If you look at every element of of the kind of the craze over the last few years, it's been a good time. So that that's that's my story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a, what a roller coaster it's been, though. Especially yeah. if you, you got back in eighteen, nineteen, twenty. I mean, you've watched that thing hit the highest of highs and then drop down. And I'm not going to say the lowest of lows because I don't think I don't think the industry ever dropped back to you know pre pandemic prices i mean the prices still stayed up but it, you know most people came in at what 2020 2021 and a lot of yeah. people you know came back for you know and a lot of people like me who who you know for one reason or another got back in the hobby and then went you know down to the basement or into the attic and then pulled out all the cards cuz you know i was buying you know i i literally bought my first slabs back in the 90s you know i was buying hockey hockey slabs but there was really no value to them, you know, today, even, even to today when I took them out and I'm thinking, Oh, these guys, these things are worth a fortune. And then you look them up, you figure out how to look up comps on them. And you're like, Oh no, they're, they're not worth anything because they, you know, they were just so, you know, overproduced, but yeah. Yeah. So I know you're a saints fan. Oh yeah. So how I, I know where you, I know you're in North Carolina. So how you become a saints fan and, the Carolinas. So the story behind me becoming a Saints fan is my my dad passed that curse down to me. Curse slash, uh, I, I joke about the curse thing. But um, so in 1967 was their inaugural season. They ran back their first kickoff ever for a touchdown. And my dad was 12 and, and just so happened to catch the game on TV. He was actually born in Jackson, Mississippi. I come from an Air Force background. Um, he was in the Air Force. His dad was in the Air Force. My uncles were all in the in the Air Force. Um, you know, so, and then the, the other half of that story is my grandfather. So his dad 
was a fighter pilot and was drinking in a bar with his buddies in Mississippi and ran into Archie Manning. And Archie Manning was a, just a great guy, really, you know, um, friendly guy. And, um, you know, so they had a couple drinks with him. And so that's kind of that completes the picture. So it was kind of the he saw the he saw the touchdown. They they met at the bar. And so it was like this is just a kind of a and then the, the fan base, even though it's not a good team, they were just a rabid fan base for a long time. Mm. Um, and so I've been a fan since 87 when we moved to the U.S. from uh, my dad was in the Air Force. So I was born in Germany. We went to England for five years. And then when I was six, we moved to Florida and oh, I haven't nice. been in the U.S. ever since. Nice. So it's usually your parents, right? It's usually something like yeah. that that gets you on a team. Nice. So I also know that you collect Stranger Thing cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I know... Um, at this last national this past year, they had the Stranger Things, the vending machine, which I knew what Stranger Things was, but I I, I never watched the show. I never collected one thing of those. Um, but I'd heard an interview the first day I heard them talking about the zero cool Stranger Things cards that they were going to be giving away and how valuable they were going to be. So, of course, overhearing that, with my collecting mentality, I had to go find out what it was all about. Oh, you have to stand in line, get a ticket and all this. Um, and, and I couldn't find anybody. I was willing to pay somebody to go stand in line and get me some cards. But luckily enough, our table was right next to where the exit was from this thing. So as the kids came out with their packs, I would say, I'll give you $40 for your pack. <laughs> you know, so, oh, wow. Nice. You know, so some, some kids were like, are you really here? Take the pack. Give me the 40. Like they wanted them. They didn't want the cards. They wanted the money, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, between that and eBay, I, I finished the set. It's off at PSA. Now the only oh, thing nice. I don't have is the redemption card. Right. But I do have 11 sealed packs that I haven't, haven't even wow. opened yet. So I think they're more valuable sealed um, even though right now at this point, if you opened them and had certain cards, they would be worth more. Um, and I, for all I know, I could have a redemption card in there. Right. Yeah. So with your collecting, I don't think from what I've heard you talk about, I don't think you have any other national card, but you're, you're back to like season one, season two, like those type of cards, right. Autograph cards, things like that. I have a lot of autograph cards, but I do have some of those national cards. Um, so what was interesting was, is I saw, so what got me into looking for Stranger Things cards was seeing the massive booth at the national. So before seeing that, I had not bought one Stranger Things card. Now really? season four, you know, I think I'm just trying to think of the timeline. I'm pretty sure season four had come out July 4th weekend. So the show was out. Yeah, it was all out. Um, so I'd seen the show. Season four was awesome. I didn't know that there was any Stranger Things cards. Had no idea that there, that there was a season one or two or any of that. I just remember thinking like, damn, the show was so good. And season four kind of was a tipping point. You know, if season four had kind of been screwy, then maybe, you know, I don't know if I would have felt the same way, but season four was just so well done uh, in my mind that, um, and then when I got to the national, the largest booth in the whole entire show, the largest sports card show on the planet is a culture card, stranger things booth, you know, like, yeah. um, and so I saw it and I did, I saw the lines. I was so focused in though on, um, there were specific cards that I was targeting at the national to buy. So 
I was, I didn't, I was like, man, I can't spend three hours in the line, but I just thought, you know what, I'll take a look on eBay kind of afterwards and just see what it looks like. And I did end up buying, I've got three of the 11s. Um, they're all, I sent them all to SGC. So I've got three of the 11s. I've, I, the ones I don't have that I want are Vecna and Eddie. Those are the two that I never got, but um, you know, I've got, I've, I don't have a complete set, but I probably got 10 of them, 10 different characters and they're all graded and stuff. Um, you know, so I did get some of those. I wanted to have some, uh, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily need to complete the set at least not now. Maybe I will down the line, but mm -hmm. I was more focused on cause those cards weren't cheap. You know I mean? They were $70, hundred dollars for some of them. So, but, but when I was buying those, I noticed, um, like, for example, I'll just show one that I have right at that time when I was looking at those cards. This is an example of a card that popped up on eBay. I want it for right about $200 and it's Dustin Henderson season one and it's the patch auto, you know, so it's kind of the RPA, <laughs> but it's it's numbered. It's numbered to 10. I mean, if you look up like the pack odds and it's season one, I mean, it's like one out of like 8000 packs, you wow. know. And it was 200 bucks. It's already graded by PSA. And I was like, man, I could buy a lot of these um, zero cool cards or I could just kind of shift my focus and look for these these kind of rare auto cards. Because, if I mean, hell, if it's if they're that rare and they're a couple hundred bucks, then, yeah, absolutely. I, I want to load up on those. And that's kind of what I did, honestly. Um, you know, I've got like, you know, a couple of these. I, I like the blue ones. The blue ones are numbered out of 10. And oh, yeah. and like the Dustin Henderson um, you know, these are redemptions, you know, so this one is season two, 2019, but you pull one now it's too late. You know, it's like the, it, it's over, you know, yeah. so there might, it might be number to 10, but good luck getting it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I just thought that was kind of a fun, interesting chase where it's something where, and, and to kind of go back in time a little bit, the show started summer of 2016, and that was really the show that kickstarted a lot of my kind of 80s, 90s nostalgia, you know, journey. Because that that's when I was, I joke about it being kind of like leading up to my midlife crisis. But, you know, it's a it's an 80s-based show. There's a lot of, you know, stuff that I could relate to uh, from my childhood. And so that's what kind of kickstarted it. So it, it, I feel like the show kind of brought me full circle to where you know, it got me into a lot of this stuff. And then now I've got a fairly prolific Stranger Things card collection. <laughs> yep, yep. And we never know how it happens, right? I mean, it's always, it's usually yeah. by accident, right? Yeah. Yeah. I came home, I came home from National and probably within two weeks, I watched, I binged the whole thing. I just went to Netflix and I binged, I binged the whole thing. And I never, I, I'm telling you, I never had, I, so many people I know talked about this show and said, oh, it's great. You really have to check it out. And it was one of those. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But, you know, this this whole this whole thing got set into motion at National and I came home and I binged it. And, uh, yeah, I was happy I did. I was happy I went through. And, uh, you know, and I, like you, ordered those ordered the cards from Netflix. And and all I get is emails telling me why it's going to be another month, another month. And I and I saw you it had put a post up that finally you just said you just wanted the money back. You didn't want. So what was your thinking? What was your decision? Cause I thought to myself, like when they do come, I mean, I I'd rather just have the cards, but you were like, nah. I... So, so what I was thinking there is I I'd ordered 10 boxes. So with shipping, it was 535 bucks. 
And it would be different if it was the the season four set, but it's really just kind of a teaser for the season four. I mean, it's that Billy Butcher kind of blaster box. It doesn't have any autos in it. And so it's not the full set. You know, I mean, if it was the full set and it had a lot of chase cards, now it does have like the um, kind of like those preview cards that, that we got at the National, but it's but they're a little different. They've got actually the name on the front instead of zero cool and there's parallels, you know, so there's numbered parallels and that would be pretty cool. But then I was thinking like, well, I could just buy those on the secondary market, you know, like once. And then, then I get the $500 back. And if, if in a couple months there's hobby boxes of the season four and there's, you know, on card Vecna autos or whatever, then I've got a few bucks to, to spend yeah. there. So, yeah. and then the other thing was they didn't sell out. You know, so it's not like I could go on the site right now and I could order it again if I yeah. wanted to. If they had sold out, then maybe I wouldn't have done that, but mm. they didn't sell out. So I was like, meh, you know, I can just order it again if I want to. Yeah. Sometimes, though, and and I, I've done a lot with wax over the last couple of years. I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of I'm out of the wax business, basically. But sometimes it's always been that it's the one that sits on the shelf forever you're like oh my god that, i'm not buying this because nobody else is buying this right? and then all of a sudden six months later there's like oh that was the box because it had this player that no one was thinking about and you're like oh man i mean how many times did i walk by those boxes in, in target and walmart and see them on facebook marketplace for like next to nothing that i could have i could add a hundred of those boxes and and i just said no. And then all of a sudden they ended up being the box that you wanted. So, so yeah. I, I, I never turned that down. I'm always like, if I bought it, I'll keep it. I, even if I don't open it, I just put it with the rest of my save stuff. Right. Well, and even I've got a, a, a sealed hobby box of season one and season two. I got it just to kind of hold it. It actually has really cool cover art on the box. Um, I'll just grab this, the season one. I'm trying not to knock everything over my desk, but um, you know, the season one is, oh, yeah. It's it's kind of looks like Star Wars, you know, type type, you know, art. So it's just cool looking. But the, I got my box here. It's about it was I think it was four hundred dollars. They sell between like four and five hundred bucks. And I remember there's guys telling me like you could get these all day for fifty bucks, fifty sixty bucks for a hobby box of Stranger because it's like it was back in two thousand eighteen. It was like pre hobby boom, and it was Stranger Things. It wasn't even sports cards, you know. So yeah, yeah it's just kind of funny how it goes. I know I, I recently discovered the uh, 2011 Apple uh, American Pie cards. I don't know if you're familiar with those at all, but they were they were hobby boxes and they were like just pop culture. And there were some refractors and some numbered, you know, numbered to 76 cards in the in the box. And I, I recently started picking a bunch of those up. And then I go back and I see people selling uh, the actual hot sealed hobby box for $300, like three, three fifty. Mm. But then when I did a search, I realized when those boxes were selling new in 2011 and 12 and 13 and 14, because nobody was buying them, they were like $35 for a hobby box. Right wow. and now. And now they're, you know, three, $400 for a box. So yeah. Yeah. It's very, very interesting what happens to, to some of that wax, you know, especially that stuff that nobody's really thinking about at the time. It's wild. Yeah. I don't have a lot of the sealed product stuff. I did buy some of the 2020 prism, which, you know, it's 2020. You could argue there's just a lot of that. They made a lot of it, but I got 2020 prism football and optic football because of the draft class, you know, you've got Jalen hurts in there. You've got burrow, you've got Herbert, you've got Justin Jefferson, 
Um, and then you've got Tua as well. So I know Tua's had, you know, concussions and things, but you have four starting QBs that are, yeah. you know, that have potential and, Bur- and I really like Burrow. So it's kind of like, instead of me buying Burrow cards, I could probably just like, I can get, I can get Hertz and Burrow and Herbert, you know, in that one year's product. And granted they did make a lot of it, but I was like, ah, you know, like I'll buy some of it and just kind of sit on it and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, at some point, somebody will pay for it. You know, you'll, it'll be worth the, the, the scarcer it comes, the, the more valuable it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in, in, in collecting, do you have the ultimate chase card, the ultimate grail card? I mean, is there a card that you, you, you say that if I, if I could find that card, you know, my life will be complete. <laughs> I don't know. And I've, I've had this question before. I'm not sure if I've been in the hobby long enough to really nail down one, you know, or even a few. I mean, so Drew Brees is my PC guy. I, I would argue that probably my Drew Brees grail is probably the, the Topps Chrome Black Refractor number two, 100. It's probably the best Drew Brees card, you know, that's as far as the rookie card goes. Um, you know, it's number to 100. So it's scarce. I would say that's probably a grail. Um, you know, but there's not one, I don't have kind of like that 52 tops mantle, you know, that's like the, the ultimate, ultimate, um, I just have, I like a variety of things, you know? So, I mean, my collection is, you know, I got Drew Brees on the PC side. I collect a lot of hall of fame auto type stuff. I collect vintage football. Uh, so I'm on the hunt for a Bart star rookie card. That's kind of mid grade. Uh, I've got one that I'm looking at now that I'm kind of going back and forth on, um, you know, so. But I, I collect a lot of like, you know, lately I've been on a little bit of a Barry Bonds kick because I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm not a baseball guy, so I don't have a lot of baseball cards, but I look and I see like and, and I get the PED thing. But I'm looking at, you know, Barry Bonds game used bat autos for a few hundred bucks. And it's like this literally is the guy that is the home run king. You know, I mean, yeah. like he's an, he's he's a top 10 baseball player of all time, maybe top 20, you know, whatever. I mean maybe not top 10, but he's top 25 of all time, you know, and he was a hall of famer before he ever touched a PED, you know, if he never touched a PED, he'd still, he would have gotten in with, with his numbers. So, but that's kind of a fun chase. I like kind of look at those like early two thousands Fleer stuff because there's some really cool game used auto stuff. That's not on a lot of people's radar and it might be Joe Namath or it might be Barry Bonds or, you know, so, yeah. The meat, the meat of my collection is really that sort of stuff. Mm. And then I, I would say I'm mostly a football card collector. I also collect a lot of Tom Brady, you know, so Drew Brees is my PC guy. I don't have a Tom Brady card that's worth more than, you know, probably six or $700. I've got some of the upper deck rookie cards. Um, I've mm. got a, I've got a Bowman rookie. I mean, maybe a thousand bucks is the high. Yeah. I really like the prism products like prism silver. Like this is just an example. I've got a couple of these, but it's like, 2015, 2016, where, you know, the silver prisms for these years, they weren't quite as common, obviously, as they are in like 2020, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And if you look at pops, you know, on it, it's like there might be 50 of them in a PSA 10, you know? So it's not like they're, they're one of ones, but I just like the look of the cards. And so silver prisms are, are something that, that I collect too. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a big variety of stuff, but that's probably the meat of it. You could see, you could see my, well, wherever it is, my Brady's right here, <laughs> yeah, right over my shoulder here, the Bowman Chrome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great was, card. Yeah. Yeah. It's been the, uh, the subject of, of, of many, uh, 
many podcasts over the you know season one and season two when you know I was I would talk about deals at shows and how people made me an offer and I wanted X amount and I didn't take it and there were times people said oh that was good hold strong and other people said are you crazy you should have sold it took the money and run but at the end of the day I mean he's already a proven goat right so yeah. I don't know if I ever really wanted to sell the card at all but it, you know I do take it to the shows with me. Yeah, I struggle with that. I, you know, I live in the, I would say most of my collection, I live in the 100 to $500 range. And there's a lot of folks that are like, dude, you could package this stuff up and get into some really nice stuff. But I don't want to do that. You know, like I want to, yeah. I, I would almost rather just have the, you know, buy the $100 card and over time, it's a $200 card. And I'm, and that's yeah. great. You know, it's, and, and, you know, it's, it's holding value. It's a store of value mm -hmm. and it's awesome. Do you, do you sell cards at all? Do you move cards to for for either just to buy them and sell them or sell them to afford other things? Or do you just collect? I'm trying to do more of that because I have, I would say over the last 18 months, I've been doing more, really the last 12 to 18 months, way more buying than selling. I do sell on occasion. I wanted to get heavy into Stranger Things cards and also just kind of seeing, like how I told you that one card, very rare, it pops up, it's $200. So my thinking is I really want to stack this stuff. I want to get a lot of it. Yeah. And I probably have anywhere from, I would say my cost basis is anywhere from 10 to $12,000 in Stranger Things stuff, which I know people they, like that's insane, but I have, I have a lot of the really rare stuff. So if it ever does, if that demand curve ever does rise, you know, then I can get some of that money back, you know, and even with what I've got, I know I could, I could throw it up there now and I would be fine. But I am trying to do more of the more on the selling side, you know, to, to try to fund my hobby more. And then fortunately with the channel, I I've also kind of built up now where I'm, I'm making some money from the channel and that can kind of be, you know, part of that hobby fund as well. So just trying to regroup a little bit because my, my buying, um, I know we'll probably get to this part of the conversation, but my buying was a little out of control for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great segment, right? Like we, could, <laughs> yeah. we could move right in. Um, so you know, recently you put yourself out there, you know, talking about yeah. being being a card addict and, and you know, when, when you know, you mentioned the word addict or addiction, right? Immediately, you know, in society, it's it, it becomes negative. But I think when you're involved with it or in it, I don't think it's as, a, as negative as people think, right? And I think just more you know, being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and just, you know, being honest with not only with yourself, but the people around you and you look and you love, I mean, it's huge, right? So, you know, my question is when you put that out there, I mean, how did the listeners, how did, how did, you know, the, you know, your, your, your people, your, you know, how did they, you know, how did they accept that? How did they treat you? I, I mean, the, I, when, when I heard you put that out there, I thought to myself, wow, that is brave. I mean, you are very brave to put that out there. And, and, and not only did I think that, but being in the hobby, I probably know a, a great number of people who are card addicts that I know are, are just, you know, get themselves to a point where they're almost out of control buying cards. And, and I think it was such a, a positive message to put out there. H how was it received? 
Yeah, it was, I would say probably about 95% was, was positive. Now that's my own viewership. So I can't speak for outside of that. You know, I'm just talking about comments in the comments section and, and uh, DMs and stuff that I received. It was 95%, I would say, you know, like, Hey man, no worries. We're all in the same boat. I've been there before, or I'm going through a similar thing. I did have 5% probably that were more on the, along the lines of, hey, man, this isn't addiction. This is irresponsibility, which I, I respect that take. You know, I don't I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, uh, uh, looking for just yes men out there where it's like, just tell me what I want to hear. I'm OK hearing if there is another argument or another angle to a story. I, I don't mind that at all. Um, I'm pretty self-reflective. I'm always trying to improve. So you know, if there is a lag somewhere, whether it's with my show or messaging or anything I say, I don't mind for someone pushing back on me. Now, if they're pushing back just for the sake of pushing back because they're taking it, it's an easy target. You know, when someone puts themselves out there, there will be, you know, some are going to just take a shot because you've put yourself out there and that that's okay. Um, but yeah, I would say overwhelmingly um, supportive. The, the one thing I wanted to draw attention to was uh, well, first off, the way it was happening too, just to kind of explain was, is it was almost like, you know, coming up to payday, I was literally spending that money before I had it. It was kind of like on eBay, at, you know, it's best, you know, it's a bin to make, make your best offer on, you know, getting paid on Friday on the Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going ahead and making offers. I'll pay you on Friday type thing. And it was, it was months and months, really probably years. We're talking about going on a couple of years of doing that packages coming in everywhere. And, and it's not as if uh, my wife wasn't aware of it, but was I being completely honest about the amount of money that, that was going there? Now, I wasn't taking, I wasn't throwing it all on credit cards. I wasn't over leveraging us, me and my family. But at the same time, that's money that can go to other things. I've got four kids, you know, we've got other things to pay for. So I do have a, I've got a great collection. Fantastic. But you know, I, I, I don't know if I was completely tra as transparent as I probably should have been. And I think when people think about sports card addiction, their mind immediately goes to breaks. You know, it goes to, oh, OK, well, you're you're gambling on breaks. You you have a problem with getting in on, on opening packs and opening hobby boxes that are very expensive and not getting your money back. I wanted to draw attention to the fact that you can also just be buying singles and get into trouble. You know, you're trying to flip this or that or not even flipping it, you know, you just see so many, look, it's endless. There's cool cards everywhere. You know, you go online. I mean, and even if you're just collecting one player, you know, let's just say Barry Bonds, there's a zillion cool Barry Bonds cards. You know, you could blow your whole budget on just that. And I'm, and I'm, like I said, I'm into a variety of different things. So, you know, it just, I, I didn't feel like I was, um, you know, my, my impulse buying was really out of control, you know? So, you know, and some people said, hey, no worries, you know, you're you're not in deep debt or anything. You're not getting divorced over it. But the thing was, was, is that if I continued along that path, if that was kind of going to be my business as usual moving forward, it could very well have turned, you know, we, we had, me and my wife had had talks leading up to where she was like, okay, but you've got this covered, that covered. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're good. And not that I wasn't paying bills, you know, I was, but again, there's, you know, that money could have gone other, other places and she wasn't fully aware of that. So if, if I'd kept on, maybe it would have gone sideways very quickly. You just never know. So I think now I'm overly transparent to try to, you know, cover those things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, I don't know about you um, and you can answer this yourself. I know for me, one of the biggest assets I have in the hobby is my wife, right? So mm -hmm. it's stuff that, 
you know, when I'm doing the content, I could say, hey, this is what I'm thinking of this week's episode this is what I'm thinking to do, you know, and I'll bounce ideas off her. Uh, if I'm going to a show, I'll say, like, I'm taking these cards. I'm going to try to trade up or move to like, like, I'm always very verbal um, about about what I do. Not that I have to be, but it's just so nice to have another opinion. You know, somebody yeah. just, you know, somebody just to say to me, well, is that such a wise thing? Or wow, that sounds like a good idea. If you, you know, anything just to, and, and, and to me, I feel like it keeps her in the loop. Right. So when I, yeah. when I heard you kind of talking about that, I kind of felt the same thing. It was almost as if she's being kept in the loop now. And it, and it's somebody that you can bounce things back, you know, off of. And, and I think some people took it as, oh, man, you know, you you um, you know, you gave away your manhood. You know, I mean, yeah. you're you're asking permission to do this and that. And it, it's more of accountability partnership. You know, it's more of like I don't need to ask permission, um, but by me bouncing it off of her, it's you know, and, and look, I have bought a few. You know, I've, I said I'm going to go cold turkey. I'm not buying cards. And there could be certain exceptions where I talk to her about it. And there have been. There have been a, a few exceptions where I've said, hey, look, this card never pops up. He, they're asking this. I'm going to offer 50 percent. What do you think? And mm -hmm. she hasn't she has she said yes. You know, so it's more about just her knowing about it and just that and and just also just being, you know, helping me be accountable. She she can always push back and say, like, well, I mean, do you think that you could get it later? On? You could, could you get it in the summer for less or, you know, how rare is it? And that's a good thing. You know, that's not yeah. a bad thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's just um I do understand kind of the, um, you know, you, it's a tough balance because, you know, you're, you're the man running your house at the same time, you know, you, you also don't want to go down a path where, you know, you're letting your family down. And I, I felt like I wasn't putting us in a deep debt, but I was letting them down by not being more transparent. So, yeah. 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 And I, and I think too, um, and, and just me, in in 2023 you know i i, I think i think it's the it, the partnership that runs the family right it's not the uh, not the man anymore right? it's definitely a partnership you know that runs that family but yeah yeah uh good stuff good stuff you know definitely oh, I, appreciate I mean I, i'm sure there's a, a lot of people out there that are thinking that about themselves and other people but nobody ever mentions it right so yeah it was it was, it was definitely some good stuff and the goal um, of that too, just to put a bow on it, is just sustainable hobbying. You know, I don't want to be, I don't think we we want people to come in and just blow all their money, have a horrible experience, and then they're out. You know, I mean, like yeah. ideally we all have a budget we live by, we're accountable. It's like, you know, there's a personal finance aspect to all of it. So, yep. you know, I, I think that's it's good messaging. Yeah. Do you think the hobby attracts people, you know, with with like gambling tendencies or addictive tendencies because it was interesting. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why I asked this question. So before I jumped back in the hobby, I used to go, I live here in Connecticut. We've got two casinos. I, once a month, I would go up to the casino and, and it was something I looked forward to. And I did it, I did it for, you know, probably five or six years, you know, leading up to maybe even more leading up to then the pandemic hit, the casinos closed. Um, I got involved in sports cards and I never went back to the casinos. 
but being in the in this hobby, I meet so many people that say the same thing as me is, oh, I used to go to the casinos all the time. Now, now I'm in sports cards, you know, and then when I kind of heard your story and I heard you talking about that, I, I often wonder if if there's something about this hobby. I mean, OK, breaks breaks is gambling. Right. And buying wax and ripping wax. That's gambling. But, you know, I just often wonder is if there's something about this hobby that attracts people that have, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to say like addictive personalities, but maybe gambling tendencies or come from a gambling background. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you look at, you know, if you go back to YouTube, probably what to 2016 or so, you know, the big channels were the breaking channels. I mean, really, if you were watching card content, it was, you were watching breakers, open boxes. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the, that was the popular YouTube content. And that was something new to me too. You know, if you're getting back in from the, from 1990, you're like, what are they doing? I don't understand. You're paying someone to open a box. You're getting a team, you know, you, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the one thing I wish there was more of is kind of the, um, you know, it's all about the big hit, you know, and if we're looking at young people that are getting involved, maybe because their parents are in it or their big brother is or whatever, um, you know, I wish there was more emphasis on the, you know, the base cards or not even just the funny part is just the regular parallels now are base cards. You know, that's it's like the, the big hit is what they're looking for. Where's the auto? Where's the, the memorabilia card? And you can pass over, you know, Red Prism or whatever. I wish, though, that there was more of a focus on like those cards go to the to to the youth, you know, go to the young people because it's like, oh, man, we got a sweet Drew Brees or a Tom Brady card that's going to go to, you know, I don't know who, you know, that, that can go to, to the kids that can go to, to young people. And that be more of kind of a normalized um, narrative as to when, when you're breaking, you know, it's not all trash. And then you've got the hits, you know, take, take that stuff, package up and talk about it on the stream, you know, cause these guys have massive platforms, you know, backyard and Layton and, you know, these, they have, they have tons of viewership, lots of subscribers, you know, if you kind of made more, if it was more vocal around those sorts of things, I think that would be kind of a nice balance as to we're not just pulling lottery tickets out, out of this box, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it kind of was right. So I, I always say it was, you know, it was a curse for me because it was probably the second or third break I had jumped into and I'm a chiefs fan. So I was just buying the chiefs and there were no rookies like for, so the chiefs were, you know, they were reasonably priced, a reasonably priced team. And, um, you know, they open up the box and what comes out as a redemption card of a Patrick Mahomes on card auto numbered to 10, but it's a redemption card, you know? So mm -hmm. the, the place is going wild. I'm dancing around like, you know, like I hit the lottery and, uh, <laughs> you know, I get this thing in the mail and, and, you know, I scratch it and I redeem it. And three years later, I'm still waiting for the card to show up. Right. I still haven't oh, gotten wow. the card, but you know, that excitement kept me coming back into breaks for, you know, six or seven months after that win, after that W, you know, and there was a lot of L's that came, you know, af after that. So I often wonder if it was a curse that I, you know, if I would have never won that card, I probably would have gotten out of, you know, uh, uh, buying into breaks a lot sooner than I did. But yeah, so I, you know, and I watched, I've watched tons of boxes being opened that, you know, were disappointing. Yeah.
Yeah, it does seem like there's kind of factions. Now, there are some people that they get into breaks and then they also buy and sell singles and they buy vintage. But it does feel like, though, that it's broken up into groups where you have you know certain groups that are just they're in the hobby and doing breaks. And there's others that are buying and selling dealers or whatever. You know, um, I just wonder how much crossover there is. And, and I hope that, you know, people that get into breaks also realize, hey, you can just buy these singles on online. You know, they're all they're all out there. These cards you're trying to hit, you could probably just find them online, you yeah. know, <laughs> but I just don't know if people have that, you know, if if there's it's, it's cheaper to buy them. It's cheaper yeah. just to buy the card. If if you really break down all the boxes that you purchased trying to get that one card, if you just decided, hey, I want to get this, this is the card, this is my chase card, and this is what I really want, you'd be better off just buying the card, you know, than going through all the other stuff. And and that's yeah. kind of what I ended up doing and is what I do now. If I if there's a card that I really want, I identify it, and then I just figure out how to buy that card. I think too that, and I've heard the story is a lot of the big breakers, they've got maybe a handful of really high end clients that fund a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So when, when you're watching it, you might be thinking like everybody's getting into breaks, but you know, the flawless and the national treasures and all that, you just have, it's the same guys that run into the casino and spend six figures without it, without dropping a, you know, a, a tear or whatever, if they lose it, it's the same guys that buy into these, you know, into these breaks, you know? So I think if you're the average Joe and you're trying to get in, you might be thinking like, this is what everybody's doing, but it, it, it might be some, but it's a lot of high net worth people that are just throwing money at it because it's fun. It's a fun Friday night, yeah. you know, or whatever. It's a lot of disposable income. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's switch gears just a little bit. Uh, content. How long have you been creating content? So I started March 22nd of 2020, and it was something that I had been thinking about doing for a while, talking about it. I think like a lot of folks, you're, you're, you're trying to talk yourself into it and, you know, but you never quite do it. And then really, I think it was March 15th, maybe where everything just kind of shut down where I, where I'm in North Carolina, like everything. And it was like, all right, well, what am I, what am I going to do now? It's like, I have no excuses. I, I need to get started. And, um, you know, so it was more of just kind of like I was watching some of the other content. Jeff Wilson, sports card investor, was putting out content at that point, not as much as he was. And it wasn't the high production stuff that he's putting out now. And he was one of the channels. But I remember just watching some of that stuff and thinking, like, I just want more of this. Or I wish people would talk about this topic or that topic or whatever topic. And then it was like, well, I could talk about that topic. And so that's how, you know, it kind of started. And I have kind of a newsy-ish type channel and also just random I'll throw this hobby topic out there and see what people think. And I've, I've been doing that really since day one. When you started, was there any blueprint that you followed? Was there anything that you said, you know, I, I know you said you watched uh, Jeff Wilson and things like that, but was there anything that you said, Hey, I'm going to emulate this guy. Or it was like, I, this is my idea. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Um, so there was, I think when you're making content, you you watch certain, I think when, when you're watching content, you do take away from other people and then maybe you're doing similar stuff and then just putting your own spin on it. I would say I was probably doing some of that in the beginning, but I also was trying to you know hit on certain topics that I just didn't see covered really on YouTube. You might see it talked about on like blowout forums. Hmm. You might see it talked about on Twitter, but then you just don't, it wasn't on YouTube, you know? So that's where I think I was able to gain some traction early on was 
um, you know, just throwing out, throwing out videos. And it was low. I mean, it was literally in the basement with like white walls behind me. Not, I mean, it was bare bones, you know, type stuff. And also just trying to gain confidence in the beginning. I'd never done any sort of YouTube. I have no broadcasting background or I don't have any sort of background in video or anything. So, um, I wasn't, you know, my first 90 days, I wouldn't say I was confident in what I was doing. I was trying to just, you know, put it, I was just trying to put myself out there, learn, gain experience and, and try to get better at it. And it was yeah. just, and it was something I was already hobbying and it was the, an extension of the hobby. It was like, cool. I I'm into cards and now I'm online doing it. It's just kind of a fun extension of what I'm doing. So talk to me a little bit, the difference between your, the off-centered show and your solo shows. Solo live streams or just, yeah. or just like the daily stuff. Yeah, well, well, a little bit of both because you you started doing the the off centered was first, right? You started doing that with with Brad, right? Yeah. And then at, at what point did you kind of break away and and were doing kind of your own thing along with that? So I started out just doing kind of the individual videos, the daily videos, and then I, I think I was maybe like five or six months in, I started to do collaborations with other content creators. So. I would jump on. I think I called it like subscriber spotlights was was the name of one of the shows. And then it was like content creator spotlight type thing. And I would just jump on and talk with other content creators um, just on my channel. And that was just kind of fun, kind of like what we're doing here. Just how would you get into the hobby? What do you collect? Those sorts of things. And it was also kind of cool because there, you know, that a lot of content creators were popping up. So nobody knew about me or, or other, or other folks. So when we we're doing these collaborations, it was, they were, they were finding new people. I was finding new people and that was fun. And so then I was probably maybe six, seven months in, I'm trying to remember exactly the timeline, but um, Brad and I had talked, we had kind of a good synergy going and we thought, you know, let's just do a, a bi-weekly show. And then we ended up making it weekly off-centered and then uh, just a few months ago, Brad, I told you before we came on, he retired from cards. I think he did it as a kid. You know, the, we, you had kind of the, a lot of the easy flipping that he really enjoyed. Um, and then there was also some creative outlet for him, too. And then he just has other interests, you know, that kind of took over over the last few months. And so he he has moved on. Um, I, I don't want to, He's the comeback card investor. So with that sort of title, he can come back. He can always make a comeback anytime he wants. Right. <laughs> that That's it. So, um, you know, he's and he's a good guy. I've known him for a few years now. Um, and so that's that's what kind of spun off into off center that, that we have now. Nice. Now. During during the day, I spend a lot of time in the car driving between, you know, places where, I, where I'm going to be working and stuff. And I, I take in a lot of content. You must have some type of freedom to do that because you're always kind of reviewing other people's content with your thing. So just talk to me about how you go about consuming your content. Yeah, I've got to narrow down. I don't listen to everything, but I've certainly got kind of my favorites. There's there's really good long form content. There's some good short short form content. I wouldn't say there's a lot of it, though. I think a lot of the stuff that's out there that I see is more of the, you know, the 45 minutes, the hour long kind of a, a podcast that's going up on YouTube. There are some people that are doing short form stuff. Sports card radio uh, would be one that I watch. Up. You know, they're they're great. I like watching their stuff. It's entertaining. Um, you know, so I'll put it on the background while I'm working or, you know, if I'm mowing the lawn, you know, put, you know, put my, uh, you know, my earphones in, I take in probably more content than I do watching TV shows just cause I feel like I'm, I'm in it, I'm doing it. 
And so it's interesting to me to hear what other angles are out there, what other other takes are um, and just listen to, you know, and whether that be longtime hobbyists, new new people to me, that's that's fun. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have it on the background. So I'm not necessarily taking in everything or I've got it at one point five speed or whatever, you know, so it's not um, so it's a little bit faster. So, yeah, I don't watch everything, but I do try to get, you know, there, there are certain channels I watch to, to take in for sure. Nice. Nice. And this week, one, one other question I want to throw out there this week, you, you, uh, on one of your episodes, you talked about the gymrate.com, right? The, the grading and, uh, you know, PSA was at a million cards, right? And they, and that was down a yeah. little bit. So what is your thought? I mean, do you think we're, we're getting into the, uh, the 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 junk grading error. Do you think there's just like too many cars being being graded? Do you think we're okay for for a while? What's your thoughts? I think um, I'm I'm still I'm a little surprised that they're still grading that many. To be honest, I mean grading companies. It doesn't seem like they've really skipped a beat. You know, over the last few months, I thought for sure that once everyone gets caught up on their backlog, that you know, they would, they would kind of slow down to some degree and that's not really been the case. And maybe they're just bringing prices down enough to where it keeps that demand up, but it just doesn't seem like it's slowing down, which I think is, is great. And yeah, you could say like, oh man, it's going to be saturated. Um, but there's so many different types of cards, you know, you, you can't, you also have to remember, you know, there's the cards that are sitting inside those slabs, whichever company, you know, you're, you're looking at, there's a lot of really rare stuff out there. So, um, you know, I, I think that I, I don't necessarily look at it as I know there's kind of that junk slab era. I've talked about right. that. Other people have talked about it. You know, maybe it'll get oversaturated at some point, but then there could be. I think what's kind of fun is there's always buying opportunities or selling opportunities, depending on what the market is doing. So, yeah. you know, it, it could just be that that's just the, the norm moving forward is, is that there's just a lot more graded stuff. It's just kind of the thing you do for the rare stuff as you grade it. You know, and some people might decide not to, but, you know, just for protection, for preservation, forget about the grade and the resale. It's like, hey, if I pull a rare card, whether it be a breaker or I find one on eBay or on Com C or wherever, I want to I want to I don't want it sitting in a binder. You know, I need it. To, I need to have it preserved and sealed. Yep. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Definitely. And I, uh, I I often think, too, now with all this grading that even the values like you know, when you, we, we're looking at cards, you're buying cards. And I'm just going to say just from from the 90s, the 2000s, you know, right, all, all the way up till now, like a PSA 9 or a BGS 9 or a 9.5, you know, they really held some value to them. And I almost think with all this grading now, it's like either 10 or bust, right? I mean, with so many cards being grading, I, I think that they're, and, and I mean, on, on the grading company side too, they can't just say every card is a 10, right? Because then the value is down. So they really have to, you know, pick and choose what, what is going to be. And, and, and to me, I don't know on their end, really, is there that big of a difference between a nine or a 10? Like, could this yeah. this nine really look like a 10 and this 10 really looks like a nine? And it was just depending on how the guy was feeling that day or the woman who was feeling that day that was looking at the card that said, oh, I'm going to give them nines because I'm not having a good day or, hey, I'm having a great day. This guy, this guy or this woman, they can get tens all day, you know? So, I mean, I... I we, we really don't know, especially with a company like PSA, right? Because they send us nothing back but a card and a grade. And there's, there's yeah. no one to question or there's no report to say there was 
So, yeah, I I, I, I I think, yeah, most certainly if you're talking, especially like, you know, just a you know, prism base rookie card or, you know, but like, you know, you've got like the red PMG behind you there, you know, I mean, like that's a card. Yeah, there's a price variance probably between eight, nine. But if it's not, it's OK if it's not a 10, you know, it's, it's a it's a it's a wanted card. It's numbered. You yeah. know, so um, and yeah, people will say like, yeah, but they've got so many different variations of numbered cards. And maybe that is true if you're if you're really looking at maybe like 2019 and forward. But you can go back in time and there's there's a lot of numbered cards that are in sets that where they didn't have the snakeskin prisms and the zebras, you know, all the all the variations, you know, that's a fairly new ish phenomenon over the last few years. Yeah. So we're getting on an hour here. Um, 168 days till national. Are you excited? Are you going? What are you looking forward to? Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely going. I've gone to the last two. Um, so I, I went to Chicago and then Atlantic City. And this one's back in Chicago. I love that Rosemont area. Um, and th those were the first ones I've ever been to uh, nationals over the last couple of years. But yeah, I really like going just for the spectacle of it. You know, it's, you just don't see that many, all those cards in one place. And, and and it's not even just, it's not like it's, you know, 90s junk wax stuff. That's It's like all, it's like everything is there. You know, there's just everything. And then of course, you know, you make friends over the last few years that you'll, that you'll meet up with, whether it be content creators or other collectors or, or viewers or whatever. And so that, that's fun too. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a great kind of networking and, and also just to be able to see people that you interact with all the time digitally, you know, and you just don't get to see them in person. So yeah, I'm definitely going, um, I'm not going for like the seven days or the five days I'm going for maybe like three or four days, but yeah, I, as I plan to go every year, you know, unless there's some, something wild that pops up, but yeah, I'm excited. Like, like are you, are you going? <laughs> What's that? I said like a pandemic or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm definitely going. I already, you know, and I booked, I had already booked my room in December. And then all of a sudden in this last week or so, I hear people saying that like all the, all the hotels closest to the convention center are all booked up. Like people have to are booking hotels down the street. So when I started hearing that, I was like, Oh, you know, actually this morning, I booked my airfare because I figured if the, all those hotels are being booked, the, the airfare is the next thing that's, you know, the prices is, is, is going to become scarce or driven up. So, so yeah, I, I, I bought my, my tickets this morning, but I set up there. I have a, I have a half a table that I set oh, up. Oh, nice. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, I was in Atlantic city last year, which was within driving distance from me here. So I was able to bring carry all my stuff. So now it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge flying out to Chicago, bringing cards, you know, I have to rent cases out there, that type of thing. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it. And, and I agree a hundred percent what you say, you know, the people that you talk to throughout the year, you know, like a message with people that I've, I've never seen, like I, I could see what they look like, you know, on like Instagram or whatever, but I've never met them. I've never seen them. I've never, you know, actually spoken to them. It's all been digitally on, you know, uh, just, uh, direct messaging, but then you go out there, like I have a table and I tell people I'm at this table. I mean, last year people were just showing up and they're like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, and I knew I'm like, I, I have no idea who you are, but I know you're about <laughs> to tell me who you are. Right. So they know me because they see me doing the podcast. So they know exactly yeah. what I look like and they know I'm going to be at table, whatever number I was at 
So, but but I just thought it was the greatest thing. There were so many people that came, and and this year it's the same thing. I'm going to be looking forward to the same thing again. Just you know, all these people that I've met through this hobby that I I get to you know meet and and meet up with out you know at national. I just think it's um, what a brilliant idea, right? Just to to do this, yeah. And it does feel good too to kind of get some, I guess, affirmation or confirmation of what you're doing. Cause you'll have, um, you know, even if it's just a few people that come up and are like, Hey, you're doing great with your, with your podcast or YouTube. And it feels good. You know, I mean, not that we, we don't need it necessarily, but it's like, okay, there are people out there that do listen yeah. and they're, yeah. they're enjoying it, you know, yeah. and that, that feels good. Yeah. And I set up at shows, I set up at shows all over the Northeast here and, and I get people coming to all this and the more the, you know, I'm in the season two, this is episode, um, I think around 70, I'm not even sure, but you know, so the more podcasts I do, the more I've been doing it, the more, you know, I'm at shows, the more I have people coming up to me, I have more conversations at my table as a dealer about the podcast than I do about the cards that I'm actually selling in front of me. So yeah. And, yeah. and that part of it, I enjoy more than the, you know, than the negotiating part. So, yeah. So if, if you ever got to set up, you'd know exactly, you know, you yeah. know exactly, you know what I mean. And I know you have some big shows there in North Carolina. When I was, when I was down, um, what was I down a week ago or so at cardiac, uh cardiac yeah. cars and i was talking to sam about you know all the shows and he was listing out at the fairgrounds like almost every other month they have a pretty big show at the fairgrounds have you attended any of these shows down there yeah that's the one i go to typically they do it about every four or five weeks um sometimes it's so it can be sports cards but they also have sometimes it's heavy on like comic books or um other collectible stuff yeah. but it's just a fun show. I mean, it's, it's five bucks for adults to get in kids. It's free. I mean, you know, it's, I, I take my son, my youngest collects Pokemon cards. Nice. So I take him in there and I'll take a look at some of the stuff and then he'll, he'll get some Pokemon cards and it's kind of a fun bonding experience. It's right. Yeah. yeah. It's 15 minutes from my house. So even if I'm not looking for anything in particular, I'll, I'll just pop in and, and check yeah. it out. Cause it's, it is a fun kind of little Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, Dustin, thank you. For being on the show this was awesome it was a great conversation yeah. thanks for having me ken i appreciate yeah. it i've got to have you on mine for sure absolutely absolutely uh tell everyone where they can hear you where they can oh actually you know what one last thing super bowl prediction now this is going to air after the super bowl the thursday after the super bowl but you still okay. you can still throw out a prediction right now you know, everyone keeps talking about the Chiefs have more experience and this and that, and Mahomes is just unbelievable. And I agree, Mahomes is unbelievable. He's playing on one leg. I just think that the Eagles are more healthy and just fully loaded. And I know Jalen Hurts hasn't been there before, but he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have to throw five TDs. You know, I mean, like he's got a great team around him. So I, I think the Eagles are going to pull it out, but I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tough and Mahomes is going to be tough. But I think the Eagles pull it out. Yeah. All right. We'll see. There's your prediction. All right. So, so tell people where they can, uh, if they want to reach out to you, where they can find you, where they can uh, see your videos. Sure. Yeah. I'm on YouTube, the Sports Card Dad. On Instagram, I'm at Sports Card Dad. And then I'm on Twitter, also the Sports Card Dad. I'm pretty consistent <laughs> across the All board. Right. All right. Thanks again, Dustin. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Take care.